If you've spent any amount of time in Columbia, Missouri, you might know this woman's voice. For her family, right? So mm -hmm. like, that's awesome. So like, how can we do that together? How can that's we Barbara Buffalo, Barbara. the City of Columbia Sustainability Manager. And if you've ever perused our local city magazine, Vox, you've probably seen her name in ink and paper. Today, we're here to take you a little deeper. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Vox Voice, a new podcast from your friends at Vox Magazine. My name's Lauren Puckett. I'm the online editor at Vox, but I'm also jumping on as host of this new podcast experience. Based in Columbia, Missouri, our team scours the community for local luminaries with something to say. We bring them into the studio, where we grill them about how they landed in mid-Missouri, the ways they achieve a covetable work-life balance, and perhaps their hot takes on Shakespeare's pizza. Any subject is game. In other words, we give you a behind-the-scenes look at the change makers in your community, giving you a taste of the pages of Vox Magazine, just in podcast form. The idea for this podcast popped up in the fall of 2018, and we went to work to make it come to life. We thought about what this project could bring to the table in a saturated Columbia media landscape, and we found our answer. News outlets cover our local figureheads every week, but rarely do you get to hear them in conversation, sharing their candid thoughts and wild stories, the stuff that rarely makes the papers. Here, that's our bread and butter. For our first episode, we knew we wanted someone dynamic and captivating, but still receptive to budding ideas. City of Columbia sustainability manager, Barbara Buffalo, was a natural choice. Barbara became the City of Columbia's first, and so far only, sustainability manager in 2010, when the position was first created. Every day on the job is different, but her ultimate goal is to make the city more eco-friendly, more adaptable, better prepared for the threats of climate change. Her work has made her even more intertwined with the city than she already was, having earned both her undergrad and graduate degrees at Mizzou. We chatted with her about how she manages work and family and what Columbia might look like in the year 2050. I'm your host, Lauren Puckett, and here's Barbara Buffalo in conversation with our reporter, Maddie Scahill. Welcome to Vox Voice. So I'm originally from Springfield, Illinois, which is in the middle of Illinois. So now I'm in the middle of Missouri. Um, and I came here for undergraduate uh, in the late 90s. And um, yeah, I, I, kind of, I fell in love with the town. I really did love Columbia. I left for a little bit and worked for an architecture firm in St. Louis. Um, but then when my husband uh, got into medical school here, we moved back here. And we just kind of, yeah, we just stayed. We love it here. Awesome. It brought you right back. <laughs> and then I'm kind of curious. So was there like a particular moment in your childhood or growing up that kind of kickstarted your like passion for the environment and working in this regard? You know, it's funny. Uh, I've been asked this before and I'm like, oh, man, I really wish I had like a meaningful story. <laughs> you know, there's like, well, I saw this this flower, you know, growing in the sidewalk. And that's just that's what I wanted to be. Um but I don't. <laughs> I have a little bit in that, um, you know, my parents, I loved being outside as a kid. And so, like, I just had an appreciation for it. And then, you know, my parents were both, like, avid recyclers. And we would walk our dog on, like, there was a golf course near our house. And my dad and I would walk around and, like, pick aluminum cans out of the trash can. And to me, I thought it was because we were recycling. But maybe he's also cheap. So it could be because he wanted to, like, make some money on the <laughs> aluminum. Um, but I took it to me, like, well, that's just not supposed to be thrown away. So we should save that. So from there, 
how did you wind up becoming Columbia's sustainability manager for the oh, city? Oh, I know, right? Yeah, how did that happen? <laughs> um, so after after we moved back to Columbia, after a time in St. Louis, um, we I, I would volunteer my time. So I worked for the university, and I volunteered my time on the Environment Energy Commission, which is one of the advisory boards to the city council on oh, like okay. issues related to energy and environment. And uh, around that time was also when President Obama was talking about um, stimulus funds and specifically for local governments to help like reduce their energy use. Hmm. And so I was like, huh, that sounds interesting. And, and um, the city council was uh, talking about creating a sustainability office and having a sustainability manager. And I remember being in one of those meetings the first time it came up and I was like, oh, I would want to do that. That sounds really interesting. I don't know what that means, but I want to do that. <laughs> <It's me. laughs> and so uh, then, it, then it was awkward because I was the chair of the commission and I had to like recuse myself. I had to like leave the room whenever they would talk about it because I was like, well, I don't want like an inside track. Right. <laughs> so um, that's how that's how it came to be. And, and I interviewed um, other people interviewed, too. It was actually a lot more intense of an interview than I expected. Really? Yeah. How, like, how so? Just... Well, so, you know how normally, like, if you're applying for a job, you get an interview, and it's like, you know, be here at 9, your interview's at 9 a.m., you know, be done by, like, 9.50, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay. So I hadn't planned to take the day off work just the morning, and then they're like, okay, so here's your first interview, and here's your second interview, and you're going to go to lunch with the police chief, ah. and then you're going to come mm-hmm. back and meet with these other people, and then the city manager is going to talk to you. And I was like, super light. oh, <laughs> wow, did not expect that at all. And you have to give a presentation about Ooh. what your vision is, and I was like, <laughs> so, so that's that happened, and and apparently I did okay. Now that you've held this position for a while, what are some of your goals that kind of keep you motivated in this job? Oh, well, that's funny. <laughs> I guess because I get I see change happening, right? Like that's that's mm-hmm. a good motivational piece for me, I guess. Um, when I came in, you know, it felt like. Um, well, there was already this like strong foundation of sustainability in Colombia, mm-hmm. right? Like outside of both city, uh, city government as well as like outside of this department not existing, right? And so um, it was building upon that foundation. But I'm I am seeing like you know public works doing more things than they didn't used to do, or IT coming up with more efficient for, um, servers and things like that, mm. that they say they do because we have a sustainability office. But I was like, I know nothing about, <laughs> about. data servers and center. You know what I mean? Like, I know they right. use energy and I don't want us to use a lot. Like, so, but they are like taking it upon themselves to do these things. And like, that's really nice to see. So I think that's like how I stay motivated is to see this positive change. I, I do this talk for usually like first graders and fifth graders. Mm-hmm. And we talk about how, you know, how have you interacted with the city today? Because we have we have our fingers in so many pies, kind of. It sounds weird. But right. um, and they'll be like, no, we haven't interacted with the city today. And I was like, well, how did you you know, did you did you turn on the lights this morning? And they're like, yeah, and I'm like, well, we're the electric utility. Like, did you brush your teeth? Like, tell the truth. And then like, <laughs> did you run the water to rinse your toothbrush? Like, that's us. We're the water utility. You know, did you come, uh, did you walk down a sidewalk or drive a car on a road? Like, we do the sidewalks, we do the roads. So like, mm-hmm. the city government is so involved in your lives that we want to make it better for you. Like, we, we do want to make you have good quality of life. And so everything we can do to reduce like our own impact helps helps with that. Kind of in your time in this position as well, what has it been like 
to kind of work with different community members like you were mentioning or even like business owners like other people around town who have an impact in this same way what has it been like to work with those folks are they usually eager or like ready to get involved or make a change or so you know we get to yeah definitely the spectrum of people like everything from like you know um, the mom who's a big environmentalist and wants to like not use any plastic and <laughs> in all local foods and and is so mad that we have anything that comes in from outside. Um, she's trying to create a better environment for her family, right? So mm-hmm. like that's awesome. So like how can we do that together? How can we both support the farmers market and our local farmers? Um, and then all the way to like a huge corporation, right? So we have a bunch of major industrial plants on Route B, and they are making things that are life-saving, literally. Like the 3M plant, you know, medical right. supplies is one of the things that it does. But they also know they want to reduce their impact, and they want to have a zero waste, which basically they don't throw anything away or everything can be utilized. And so we get to work with all of those people, and I think it's really important that both of them understand that, you know, both those two individuals understand that they are both want to live in a quality environment. They both want to make a better impact on the world. And they might not think that they see eye to eye, but in reality, we have a lot in common. That's one of the things people often like, well, how do you get developers on board? I'm like, developers are on board. They, they understand that, you know, reducing the impact makes their spaces more um, attractive to people building there or living there. Um, they, they also just need to think about how, what's their bottom line? Like, how can they provide a quality of life for their family? I'm actually curious, too, when you say zero waste, so is that something that's, like, easily attainable for no. something like 3M? <laughs> right, I feel like I, feel like I kind of talked about it. that. Yeah, whether that's attainable, but I, I'm yeah. curious, like, how well that works for them. Yeah, so 3M has done a lot of things. Like, in part, it's, like, how they get their packaging, like, what Mm. happens to the stuff that comes to them to be made into these widgets and and whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing that they work on, though, is, is what do they do with it, right? So right now, like, in your home, you've got, like, a blue bag, right, or a blue bin, and you just throw your recyclables into it. Mm -hmm. Well, somebody is sorting that at our material recovery facility, well, at like 3M, they're sorting it before it goes into the bag. So like all the cardboard goes in one area, all the plastic film goes in one area, all the styrofoam goes in one area. And then they have different ways of like utilizing it and packaging it for it to be sold to market. Um, hmm. So yeah, it's an interesting thing. It really just takes um, thinking about it. You know, like so right now we for years have said, well, recycling is so easy. Anybody can do it. And it's like, well, I still want you to think about it. Like, I still want you to think about right. somebody has to sort this. Somebody has to pick the peanut butter out of this. Jar. You know what I right. mean? Like do it with it intention. Takes, right. Exactly. <laughs> like be conscious over it. And then the idea is, is that just like 3M has done in our homes, we can also be conscious over like, well, do I need that? Like, can I pick things that are easier to recycle or reuse? Or do I even need to consume it in the first place? Is there an alternative that has a better, better impact? Let's talk a little bit about so the Climate Action and Adaption Plan here in mm-hmm. Columbia. Can you give kind of like a rounded idea of what it is and what the general goal is with this initiative? Yeah, so it's similar to any sort of comprehensive planning process where you have goals set and then you have to make the actions or the steps that you have to do to meet those goals. So in August of last year, um, city council set emission reduction goals, which basically say, in a nutshell, we wanna be carbon neutral by the year 2060. 
and we want our municipal operations to be, you know, 100% you know, carbon neutral by 2050. Wow. And there's like steps into there, right? So, because right. I think about that, I'm like, oh my God, my daughter will be 40 in the year 2050. Like, oh, that's my wild God, to that's think that's, about. Yeah. Puts it in perspective. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think about it, and it's, we also have like step goals. So, like in 2035, can we be 35% um, reduction? And so the actions then to meet those are twofold. One will help reduce emissions, right? So looking at renewable energy for our energy sources or more efficient buildings to reduce how much energy we have to use in our built environment. Okay. But it's also thinking about, okay, as the climate changes, what do we need to do to prepare? So we know that looking ahead, the science tells us that our summers could be hotter, Right. By the year 2050, we could have the 50 days over 95 rather than our current average of five. Ooh. And so that <laughs> means that we're using a lot more air conditioning. But that also means that people that have to be outside, we need to think about how can we make cooler opportunities for them and spaces where it's not just absorbing a lot of heat. So more trees help with that. Thinking about how we do um, our paved areas. Can we have more green space in there? Can we also have more like shelters for people? So either hmm. a cooling shelter for when it gets too hot for them to go if they don't have air conditioning or programs to help them get air conditioning so they're healthy and safe. And so we know that we need to prepare both for that as well as reduce our impact so that hopefully we can kind of slow the Back progress down. for climate right. change, right? So that it's not happening as drastically as, as we're seeing in other parts of the world. Do you ever like worry that maybe we're like falling a little bit behind or like we've kind of fallen down the slippery slope with sustainability? Like, does that, do you ever get nervous about those like year markers? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't we mean got to stress this. you out early in the morning. I'm quitting but... <laughs> tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. So I think the, the thing that's important, though, is that we want to keep measuring and changing our actions as we go, right? So like if we notice that it's not working, then we have a part of the plan that helps us kind of update. Like, okay, well, you know, we thought we could do a lot more with getting people to do more active transportation or not drive just one person in one car. We thought we could get more carpooling or taking the bus. And we can't. So maybe we need to up up our energy, cleaning up our energy faster than we originally planned to do because we're not seeing this this behavior change that we need. But in that, at the same time, throughout the process, we're going to need to keep talking about this. Like, right? I'm right. Not, like, come June, I'm not going to be like, well, the plan's done, so I can stop talking about this. You know, we need <laughs> it's to... It's only just begun. <laughs> right. We need to keep talking about the importance of it and the benefits that we get from these actions and and just really how can we how can we all work together and keep keep this in frame of mind so that we are always improving well speaking of stress but on a lighter note <laughs> what are ways that you decompress i mean you're a working mother right so yeah. are there things you like to do with your family or yeah ways that you kind of can step outside of that zone well i think the literal outside is the the, the, the zone right so <laughs> like choice. leaving the office um one of the things that i talk about a lot with my staff is really unplugging when you are not in the office. It's hard when your job, you see aspects of it in every part of your life, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that's sustainability. Like, right. <laughs> we think about this a lot. All of our staff are very dedicated civil servants. Um, but you know what I mean? Like when you're home with your kids on the weekend, like be home with your kids. Do not check email. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. 
um, our virtual world has made us so reactive that, you know, somebody emails me, I think it's an emergency and I must respond back or get them an answer. And unless it's my boss or an elected official who is, you know, they, <laughs> they kind of are emergencies in my eyes. Um, it can wait. It can right. wait. So really taking that time, you know, when home uh, to, to unplug and, you know, um, having to figure out how to offset my carbon emissions for travel, I, uh, I, I love to travel. So I need to, you know, right. seeing other spaces and seeing other worlds, that's one of our other ways that we like to appreciate um, where we are. And then I guess my only other thing is besides just being outside and hiking and walking with the kids and camping, uh, I also like to cook a lot. Do you ever kind of find yourself like wanting to steer them towards like a job in this like general regard or this kind of career area? Like, do you focus mm. on instilling those same like values, the sustainable values in your kids? And do you ever like kind of try to push them towards like the same work or? <laughs> well, luckily they're super young. <laughs> so That's true. I don't think about their career as much. They're six and eight. Um, but I do love the idea that they can be, yeah, I love the idea that they can be whatever they want to be. So I think what we try to instill in them is like, yes, these are sustainable behaviors, right? Turning off lights, Mm. not wasting, not getting more food than you're going to eat. Don't waste these things. Um, they love to be active transportation participants. They love when we can walk or ride bikes into school. Makes me feel super guilty when I don't want to, <laughs> right? Because they they're like there's little they're they have young. So, they're you know, spry, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, we talk about this with, but they don't understand time. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, they want to ride bikes. I was like, but it takes you forever. Come on, now. <laughs> you got to get to school. Um, yeah. So I think I think that they they will say. I remember my daughter when she was like four. She's like, I'm going to be a sustainability manager when I grow up. And I was like, I hope it's not a thing. Like I hope this is just the way we do business. That's a good and point. You can do something else. Awesome. We often talk about. I, usually go and talk to their schools and like their classrooms and stuff and they'll come up and visit city hall and it's really funny because i get to teach kids about their superpower which is pester power so if they pester their parents to do better then like the parents are more likely to do it like me telling them to turn off lights is one thing but like if their kids are telling them that's they're more likely and so they're good at that that's yeah. a strong suit for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Pester power is, is a tr- it's true. Do you have anyone who you would consider like a mentor or mentors in your career? Hmm. Yeah. So I think it depends on uh, what aspect of my career. Right. So mm-hmm. like there are those within city government that I for sure look up to. Right. So like our current interim city manager, John Glasscock, he believes like with every bean of his body that he's there to help the city. Right. So like if the if the elected officials are saying that this is what they're hearing from the constituents and we need to work on that. Like that's, he, that's what he tells us to, you know what I mean? Like that's what we do. Um, at the same time, he understands like that you have to be very open and honest and in admitting if you made a mistake, which I think is hard to do, especially for men. Mm. <laughs> um, Transparency. Right. And then like another colleague of mine, uh, Stephanie Browning is our um, public health and human services director. And she sees the impacts of like social equity on our health and the impacts on like all these other aspects that you wouldn't think are health associated, but how it really affects our community's well-being. Um, and then like broader, like I have a colleague of mine um, that's the director of environment in San Francisco. And okay. while San Francisco gets a lot like, right, they were the first to ban plastic bags, the first to do all these other things. Mm-hmm. I think I like more of like one of her ethos is, she asked the question, is it necessary? 
And so it's that's where I've kind of come up with that idea about consumption, where she's talking about um, when she's talking about like um, um, Roundup or different types of chemicals that might be used for weeds. She will always say like, right, if we if the science is out on whether it's good or bad for human health, the better question to ask is, is it necessary? So do we need it in the first place? What are we trying to achieve through it? And so I think I kind of look up to her a lot on that. I also like that she can like kind of center herself and talk mm -hmm. to a variety of people, which is something that I hope I can do. Would you say that you're still like learning every day through oh, different yeah. facets of your job and like through these people you meet and yeah. learn from? Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, that's one of the things like sustainability is such a variety of things and, and subjects to cover that you can't just be an expert in one thing, but you're expected to be an expert in a lot of things. And I think hmm. like using, you know, John's model of like admitting if you don't know, right, but that you want to find out, right, you want to learn the answer and the best thing to do is a good way. Is there anything right now that you're like super interested in or like kind of diving into um, like anything that you've been learning something new about recently? Yeah, well, I think food waste is a huge thing. It's, I mean, my last year has been spent learning more and more about the impact of food waste in, in our like emissions, both with our carbon footprint, huh. but also just like, what does that mean? Like, so, you know, there's something like, I don't know, the certain percentage of food is wasted throughout America. And yet we have people that are starving it's or having to struggle. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And then what's happening is that it's going into like landfills, but it's a nutrient, right? So it's going in there and it's not being utilized. But these, these, um, so our waste minimization coordinator, Ben, mm -hmm. so Ben Kreitner has taught me a lot and he's like, Right, it's, it's fine, it's great. We can actually produce electricity from some of the methane that we capture off of our landfill. Like we have a bioreactor landfill. Wow. And that's great, but it's also missing the nutrient piece, right? We're always gonna have organics that are gonna be breaking down in the landfill for us to capture for electricity production. But better yet for those nutrients, rather than burying it, can we, it's still there, can we use it and compost and then help it add for like at either carbon sequestration in our world or also just to help um, better nutrients later on with our food production. Thinking back to like 10, 15 years ago, what is something that you wish you knew about sustainable living? Encouraging others. I wish I'd used that ability earlier on, right? right. So like with my peers, like right now my peers, we, we talk about these things, right? All day, right? Like, <laughs> right. I should have done that earlier or had these conversations with peers that maybe are of a different mindset. Just so okay. that, because right now, sustainable living, this idea is, is that it almost becomes polarized, right? That you you can't be, I don't know, you can't be a Republican and you can't like a big house and still live sustainably. And it's like, no, 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 no. There are aspects of all of this that everybody can do. Do you have a pet peeve related to sustainability? Well, I guess there's kind of two. One, it's a pet peeve also um, that I have about people when they view me. So. Okay not perfect. You know what I mean? I think there's that sort of like my, and maybe it's a, maybe, maybe people don't even notice it, but like sometimes there's that like assumption that like, Oh, Barbara's using a plastic fork. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> dude, not perfect. Right? Like if I don't have a fork, but I need a fork, like use what you have, I'll recycle it or reuse it, you know, try to be my best with mm -hmm. that. Um, so then in that regards, my pet peeve is more about people who like, especially if they like have the environmentalist banner on, right? Like the, I am an environmentalist. I am this. 
And then they don't realize that some of their own behaviors are also not actually helping, you know? Uh, so like a bit hypocritical, right? Right. Mm. And, and I don't, and the thing is, is, is that I, and you know, I have to hold myself into that too. Right. Like, so mm. like if I'm doing these things, I need to own up that I know I'm not perfect. So right. I just wish that they would more own up that they're not perfect too. So when the Columbia climate action plan is done, what will the city look like? Like in 2050? Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, like, you mean like July 1? Like pretty much the same. (laughs) What will Columbia look like after kind of like the long-term impact of this plan? Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the things that um, I hope for that you will see in the year 2050 is, well, first, like probably less traffic because Uh, we'll probably have less single-use vehicles. Okay. Right. So and if you do, maybe it's an autonomous vehicle, right, that's picking up multiple people to take you to the store or to wherever you need to go. I also hope that we have kind of like that. The, the way I picture it is that like, let's say you're standing on the corner of Ninth and Broadway mm-hmm. and Broadway has the light rail system is coming down to take you out west or to mm-hmm. take you out east. Um, there's also one going Ninth Street is more of a pedestrian mall, but A Street has, you know, its own sort of uh, trolley system as well, taking you to campus. Oh, uh, it's going around. You see lots of people walking, uh, parking their bikes at the bike racks, um, people outside dining uh, on their local foods at their local owned restaurant. And you see, you'll see a lot more development. Like you will see higher buildings because we know that as we were sprawling out, that we were making people rely more on that single-use vehicle. But there's still that neighborhood character. There's still that community character of Columbia where it's not too high and it's not too <laughs> dense, and there's still trees like shading your space so that it's not too hot when the sun is shining, and you're just breathing clean air and you're you're happy with your life. Also, kind of looking at these goals, um, they exist, I think, like kind of in other cities around mm-hmm. the nation, similar formats. Are there um, different towns or cities that kind of like helped you kind of formulate this or like shape Columbia's future, like in your approach to this action plan? Yeah. So um, we're lucky that we do have a foundation of other communities that are working both at the same time as well as a little bit before us. So um, I'm a member of the Urban Sustainability Directors Network, USDN. Mm. And so I was able to steal a lot of things from my friends. Um, I actually... For a good cause. Right. In the Vox section that was pulled out, it was funny. There was this like pull-out quote about me stealing from Iowa City and Fort Collins. (laughs) And so then I got to tag my friends. like, And I was like, okay, well, we knew I was stealing from you. And like now it's in print. Uh, <laughs> but we're owning up to it. Right, exactly. But <laughs> but it's really great about that is that they're like, and then they're asking me like, well, how's it going? What did you learn? Right? So we know that it's not like Fort Collins is not out there being like, we're the best. We're the greatest. You know what I mean? Like, I know we can't learn from anyone else. Like, they are also like learning from our practice for doing this and how to improve their own process. Um, but other places that we look to, you know, Iowa City, it's another college town in the Midwest. Mm, true. They have a really um, good relationship with their college and their transportation networks. And so knowing that that's something that we need to improve in Columbia, we look to them a lot for that. What are some of your favorite things about our city? So I love the downtown. I am very, very biased towards it. Um, (laughs) In part, I'm fine with the character changing. I do like a variety of people to see more now, I would say. I would like to see um, more families downtown walking around, right? Because the idea is, is that you want it to be a space that's safe. And so right. when you see more families, you know that, that people feel it's a safe space. So I do get to see that for dinner time. I always love that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I also love like all of our parks and our trail systems. I think that's one of the things that makes us like a crown jewel in the state of Missouri. Like businesses want to move here because of them. And then I also love the university. So I love being in a university town because I think we have both. There's just like a vibrancy to it, right? There's right. so much youth here mm-hmm. that when people look at like our average age, they're like, what? And I'm like, it's the university. It helps us a lot. <laughs> um, but it helps like maintain us um, and also has all these like cultural opportunities that I don't think you get to see. Well, if you could change one thing about Columbia, what would it be? You know, I wish that we had, I, I remember asking colleagues of mine in like Vancouver and Portland, like, what's the one thing that you wished you had done before it became almost too hard to do? And it's always around transportation. Mm. It's always yeah. around transportation. So if there was one thing I could do, it would be um, to create more of these like transit oriented developments so that you know, you could have your bus line or hopefully a light rail system right. that goes out to a space. And at the end of the node can be more small commercial areas where people can work or go to their doctor or go to their dentist or go to the store mm-hmm. and then have your your homes before, you know, behind it and have a variety of types of housing. And Because right now people rely so much on their car to get right. around. And if you don't have a car then you are at a risk of not having a like, quality of life, like a, a job that can help pay your way or housing that you can afford to live in. What is your favorite menu item here at a restaurant in Columbia? Oh, okay. So I, this is, it changes. Like it totally changes right. depending on where That's I fair. am. What I, but okay, so I've recently discovered that I can make the best grilled cheese ever at Sycamore. Hmm. So it is, is yeah. How does one make the best grilled cheese ever? Right. So um, they they put it on focaccia, Mm. and I don't know what kind of cheese they use, but it's delicious. Okay. Um, Mm. And then grilled onions and barbecue sauce. What would you say is Columbia's best hidden gem? How many good locally sourced food items there are in Columbia for affordable prices. This is very, very true. Like when people come in, like for True False, they're coming in and they're like, I'm sorry, I got like an all local sandwich. And it was only, you know, $6. Yes, like, how yeah. is that possible? So I think that's that's part of my, that's, that's, the hidden gem is that basically a lot of the restaurants have all of these awesome opportunities to them. That's a good point. What would be one piece of advice that you would give to Columbia residents? I think it would be intentional with your choices, right? So to think about that, don't become a passive um, participant in your life. So really think about, um, you know, your actions, your behaviors, your choices, but also like what do you want the future to be, right? So the easy thing is always easy, but not always the best. This has been Vox Voice. Thank you so much to Barbara for joining us. If you liked the episode, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast service. And we'd love if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.